Brought to you by BedroomBattlefields.com, this is the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. always really enjoy speaking to members of our Discord community and this episode is a chat with Kazdok, also known as Jamie. And as this is the first episode of the new year, I thought I'd kick things off by asking him that all-important question, what did you get from Santa? Yeah, I got a little bit uh, of hobby stuff, which is pretty nice. I've got some uh, mounted Perry knights on the way, some Agincore knights, so that'll be pretty fun. Uh, copy of Star Star Realms, the uh, spaceship deck building game. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I got the Rogue Trader book, which I'd bought myself. And uh, I gave it to my wife when it came and said, you could give me this at Christmas. And then I asked for the uh, the Robin Jews and... Um, God, what's the other guy's name? I forget, XGW Boy. But anyway, there's like that book that's out now. It's the History of Games Workshop, not the not the Dice Men one, but the newer one. So I'd asked for that, and it was it was sort of mid morning when uh, I just I didn't even realise that I didn't have the books, and then she just said to me randomly, uh, "Oh, by the way, see the book you asked for? It's not out yet." And I said, "It's it is out. I, I totally forgot about it, but I was like, it is out." And she said, "No, no, it's not out till next year." So I was like, it is out. And then I was like, and anyway, I, I literally gave you a book to give me and I've not got it. And she was like, oh shit. So she went upstairs and got, still in its um, cardboard envelope that it came in and comes downstairs and gives it to my daughter, give that to your dad. Uh, so I was like, thanks for that. So I got my Rogue Trader book and didn't get my, my other one. But there's always next year. It's, it's not like I'm desperate for books. I've always got a pile of them on the go, so... Um, I dare say I'll get it at some point. I've uh, I've got a copy of Rogue Trader that is probably third or fourth hand by now. A friend got it from a friend, got it from a friend, and the cover is gone. It's it's a uh, black spiral bound now. Mm-hmm. But all the interior pages are there, so that's all you really care about. <laughs> the font size is ridiculous, though. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. no, you're squinting. <laughs> yeah, like what? Why? Why was it so small? I mean, I know they maybe didn't necessarily have the technology we had have now, but it's not that long ago it was made, and it's it's so tiny. I wonder if maybe they're trying to save a couple of dollars because it, you know, it's kind of a it's a decent sized book. Yeah, oh, it's huge, and I, I I've got this cheap pair of like magnifying glasses for paint, and I'm having to literally read the book with those on. Because I, oh, no. I just can't see. Like it's, I don't know what size that font that would be in a Word doc, but it must be like eight or something. You know, you'd never dream of using that. But uh, oh yeah, that was a uh, something I've considered is readability these days, mm-hmm. especially as we're all we're not getting younger, as they yeah, say. Yeah, certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of such, uh, let's let's turn the clock back. Let's go back to the start for you, back to your hobby origin story, and uh, you can maybe tell us a wee bit about how you first discovered the hobby and how it got its claws into you. (laughs) Well, claws is right. Once it gets in, it doesn't let go of you. Oh, man. So back back in the day, I was younger, and uh, I had this friend, and it was a friend I only had for maybe about a year. You know, they come and go, parents move on, etc., and um, 
he had this board game he wanted to play. This is probably 96 or 97, because we'd been playing, you know, Zelda Ocarina of Time at the time. And he's like, let's play a board game instead. I'm like, okay, what do you got here? And then he pulls out this big old brown box, and there's a castle on the front, and there's a knight riding to the castle, and he's got, like, his mace up. And it's like, whoa, that looks cool, and it's called Dragon Strike on it. Uh, Dragon Strike came out earlier in the 90s as TSR's kind of a new intro to D&D product, but also an answer to, like, Hero Quest and Warhammer Quest. It's like, hey, we too have a dungeon-crawling board game. Um, but, it, you know, it had a couple advantages. It had uh, four boards instead of the one. So there's like, a town and a castle and a cave and a forest. Had a bunch of really neat Ralpartha minis. That were uh, they were plastic, of course, but they were sculpted by Ralpartha, I believe. And they have some really nice painted prototypes on the box. Um, had a bunch of different quests, and of course, one of the biggest selling points was the VHS tape to get you into the mood, filmed in quote hyper reality, <laughs> which is some really gnarly. It, it was it impressed me as a child. Um, it doesn't really impress me as an adult. But, you know, how those things go. <laughs> What's the next steps then uh, after that? Where do you go from there? Well, around the same time I'd read The Hobbit, of course. One of my uh, my fifth grade teacher, I guess a year or two before that, I recommended that. So I had the idea of fantasy. Dragon Strike helped that. And then early 2000, I'm in high school and I'm looking around at the local game store that was actually about two blocks away from my high school, which was very cool. Uh, you had time on lunch. If you were quick, you could run over there at lunch and grab something. Um, I'd played Magic the Gathering a little bit here and there, the uh, collectible card game. But uh, the next big thing that really got me was uh, Mage Knight, actually. Um, I still had never played D&D. Um, still hadn't done Warhammer yet. I didn't even know what Warhammer was. But there's this thing, Mage Knight, and it's got, oh, these pre-painted guys which is cool because I didn't own any paints. And they were assembled. That's cool. I don't own a hobby knife or glue or even know what kind of glue I need for miniatures. Um, and, oh, all the little, all the stats are on the little dial. You don't need books and stuff. And I'm like, okay. I didn't know you needed books in the first place, but that sounds good if I don't need them. I'm down. And, yeah, that was fun. I played it. A handful of people showed up to some tournaments here and there. It never quite took off. It took off enough to let WizKids eventually do Hero Clicks, which, of course, was way more successful for them. Um, you know, brand familiarity versus their own fantasy. But that really clicked in, and eventually a friend of mine shows up one day, and he's like, hey, you got to check this game out. Oh, yeah? And he shows me this great big gray box. So, again, I've got friends showing me large boxes. It's kind of like how this goes in my life. Um, and there's like ruins and blasts and explosions and great big dudes like in black and white power armor and like they're standing on a big hill and they're just shooting everywhere and it's Warhammer 40,000. It's like, whoa, that's great. So we pop open the box and it's like, oh, we have to do a lot of work. <laughs> so I'm looking at the models the whole time. My friend goes on a trip to see his grandma the next night over. So he reads the book. And, uh, yeah, we finally get around and play a game, and it was funny. <laughs> it's 
So the third edition box set is what we had. And uh, that one, very famously, it's got 10 Space Marines in it. And they were the really weird monopose ones that you kind of also got in the paint set. Um, I think there was at least the version of the box that had the more flexible third edition plastic kit. But if I remember correctly, we had just like the little monopose guys where it's like a chain sword and a missile launcher and a flamethrower and then a bunch of bolters. And then, you know, there's 20 Dark Eldar warriors to go against them. The Dark Eldar are like evil sp space elves, as we know, and they don't have much in the way of armor. In fact, in third edition, the uh, bolter totally ignored their armor. They didn't get a save. But it's like, okay, 10 versus 20, that's fair. Until you think about the land speeder, which is uh, not very heavily armored, but it's enough that the Dark Eldar don't have any way to deal with it. So the land speeder alone could just... We played a game or two, and we're like, we can't be playing with this land speeder. This doesn't seem right. And then we're looking back, and we're looking at points, and we're like, okay, that makes a bit more sense. But <laughs> it was enough to get us hooked anyway. So that's then your, your intro into the, the Games Workshop world. Um, playing that game, when did you become aware that they also had other games as well? Uh, not long after, actually. Like the, there was a couple hobby shops in town that uh, were big for the Warhammer stuff, and uh, fairly early on, they were pretty good about giving me like, well, if you really want to get into it, you need this and this. Here's how you paint stuff. Here's how you model stuff. Uh, actually, made at the time a real good friend I have now still. Um, he just kind of like showed me a thing or two about painting, just real quick, just out of the blue one day. And, uh, yeah, and then they're like, oh, man, if you like that, you also like, because uh, they're helping me choose an army, they're like, you know, you could always do Chaos Demons. Like, well, why would I do that? It's like, well, they're really cool. And if you buy this army, then it works in Warhammer 40K and Warhammer Fantasy. And I'm like, what's Warhammer Fantasy? Like, oh, you don't know. It's a whole nother way to take your money. <laughs> and it is, but... You know, I, I held off on that for a long while, but I did finally get into it. And I think it was still 6th edition, great big orange book. Um, in the later 2000s, like 2006, 2007, I got into it a little bit. Had a Chaos Army for a while. Never quite clicked with me. I feel like it clicks with me a lot better now, but at the time I was still new to the whole thing. War Machine was competing for the attention as well. Because it's like, it's like 40k, but steampunk robots, and everything's giant, and metal, and over the top. And, hmm, I played that one off and on. Never quite clicked as well as Warhammer, though. Warhammer's like a comfortable pair of slippers, I guess. It's always there. <laughs> so, was Warhammer Fantasy, then, the first Games Workshop game that you owned? Uh, no, I, I owned uh, 40k stuff first. I eventually got my own rulebook used from someone. I got a bunch of, I got a bunch of random models at first. Cause I just thought they all looked so cool. So I had like a metal Necron pariah. I had a couple of different Chaos Marine guys because they're like Space Marines, but spiky, much, very cool. We still had a bunch of old second edition metals kicking around. Eventually I started just buying uh, Blood Angels was the first real full army I did. Don't have those guys anymore, but... Yeah, I was just going to ask, like, um, do, do you have anything at all from back then, still? 
You know, I've got a Games Day miniature. Um, it's a it's a Space Marine captain with like his power fist raised up. I don't know where the Stormbolter went, but some friends of mine went to Games Day back in like 2004 or 2005 and got that for me because they were able to go and I wasn't. Cause I was still in high school. I was making money. I actually had a job. Um, you know, I actually had a, had a job since I was like 14, but. You know, I didn't really have the time or money to go do that, but that was very cool. Um, we got a couple other very random bits and bobs. Like, I've got a plastic Goliath ganger because we played Necromunda off and on over the years. We played Mordheim off and on over the years. I've played a lot of the side games because every once in a while, someone's like, oh, man, you'd really love Necromunda. Oh, you'd really like this. And I'm like, I'm a kid. I've got money. I'm not raising a family. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into it. And then, you know, six months later, it's whatever the next thing is. Not the most healthy way to go about things, but, you know, you're a kid and you're excited. So what you do. <laughs> so did you take the standard break from the hobby then at any point? I, you know, I kind of did. I had pulled, get off the gas a bit for a while. I actually... Stayed in it for a good long time. Um, other people would take breaks, so they'd back off of it. Or usually the same reason, like oh, we just moved, or oh, we had a kid, oh, we got to worry about raising them, and you know, understandable things like that. Or someone's like, I'm just not into this anymore. We're like, oh, it's a bummer. Bummer to see you go, but you know, still stay friends with them anyway. Even though sometimes you find out, like, the hobby things are the only things you really have in common with some people. Like, you can get together and play a game, but unfortunately, sometimes you don't really have any other reasons to hang out. But, but no, I, I've kind of been on a Warhammer break uh, this year in particular, actually. Like, you know, the 10th edition just came out. I said this year. Last year, 2023. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all... It's all one big stream anyway, but, uh, you know, 10th edition is all right. It does what it says it wants to do, but I feel like, especially lately, eh, 40k is not really quite the game that I got into. Like, it's very tournament-focused these days, and that's fine, because that's what a lot of people like. I was uh, listening to Andy Chambers on some YouTube channel talking about that, how one of the biggest feedbacks they got early on was less role-playing, more tournament. So I can see them doing that. That makes sense. That's fine for them. But I still have my models. I like them. I like building and painting. I've always liked to build them and paint them more than I like playing anyway. So I figure I'll get back into it at some point. We all do, I think, eventually. <laughs> Time of recording, um, I missed this at the time, but I, I just seen, I think yesterday, that um, the Warhammer Old World release date was announced. Uh, I tend to miss these things because I'm not on social media. Oh. But I see it's coming out in January. So, uh, given that you've tried 10th edition, oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even know there was a 10th edition of 40k. That shows literally how out of touch I am. But, uh, <laughs> will you... Will you be interested in that at all? Will you try and play it or anything? Or will you will you just leave it be? You know, I've thought about that. Um, I think I didn't appreciate Warhammer Fantasy back when I had it. 
Like I've played Age of Sigmar and I've kind of bounced off of Age of Sigmar. I like the I like the looks of it. Honestly, I do like the kind of crazy, over the top, super fantasy aesthetic. I actually enjoy that a bit. Gameplay wise, I'm just kind of like, yeah, meh. You know, the good old classic rank and flank fantasy coming back. That's cool. I probably won't jump into it immediately. I'm not against ever getting into it, but I'm not going to be, probably not going to be a day one adopter. I have a couple friends that might be, though, so maybe they'll change my mind and drag me into it with them. You know how that goes. <laughs> what's, uh, what's on your painting table at the moment, then? Um, Right now on my painting table, I've got a handful of heavy intercessors that I've been painting for about two months now which is to say i've dropped some paint on them on occasion and haven't done much of them they're kind of the i don't know i think the coolest looking space marines they ever came out with so they got the bigger bolt guns and like the bigger gravis armors they're just it's everything about a space marine dialed up to 11 i think they look cool but beyond that i've got a handful of knights um frostgrave knights by uh north star military figures um, I bought those for my own game that I've been working on that I've uh, actually put out a while ago. But um, I, came to, I got the thing that's like, you know, I really don't have a demo force for these guys. I really need to get that together. And it's it's nice to paint something to switch it up, cleanse the palette. Tell us a wee bit about your game then, of Knights and Quests. Like when, uh, or more specifically, like what made you dive into actually trying to write a game well more than trying to executing the writing <laughs> of a game so ever since I got into the hobby so ever since I've hmm, had a start I guess at the very beginning so you know back when I was a real little kid I played Nintendo games like a lot of us did we had a Nintendo my grandpa had a Nintendo it was still very much a family system at the time and uh play Mario, play Mega Man, play all those. And then when I was at school or in my free time, I'd draw levels, like for video games and stuff, just ideas that I think would look cool. So naturally, when I got into tabletop gaming with Mage Knight and stuff, I immediately thought, oh, it'd be so cool if I could make my own tabletop game. And, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the early ideas were really derivative because, of course, they are. It's when you only know a couple things. So I've been doodling off and on with different game ideas almost constantly since I got into the hobby, always on the side there. And then finally, a few years ago, December of 2020, I got this thing. It's like, you know, I've been doodling a lot and doing this and thinking about it and planning. And I had bought in the, uh, the miniatures war game design handbook. I've got it somewhere. I can't see the title right now. But that's the one by Rick Priestley and John Lambshead, uh, which is a real fun read, by the way. It's not so much a how-to as it's kind of a general overview of the industry and some of the thought processes. And um, it also includes a fun drinking game. Take a take a shot every time Rick Priestley mentions some bright spark. <laughs> <laughs> was that you that noticed that? Yeah. I uh, I was reading. I was like, that come, that's his favorite phrase. He likes that one. <laughs> when you mentioned but, that, I was thinking, yeah, right enough, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, they 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 say something, and you ask any successful person or anyone who's made it, like, 
what makes you so different? What'd you do? And it's like, well, I did it. I sat down, I did it. I did the work. Uh, one of my friends is a horn player and he's in a youth symphony now because he practices four hours a day, every single day, literally, and works his butt off. So I'm like, you know, if all these people can do that, I guess I can do it. So I sat down for about two straight weeks, every spare scrap of time I had, I committed to writing this. I'm like, okay, what am I writing? Because I'd had kind of a decent attempt beforehand that got pretty far, but I never published for a different miniatures idea. But uh, I'm like, okay, well, I need to focus it because the more focused something is, the better off you are. So I'm like, I like knights. I actually went and bought a little tub of uh, $10 knights that were like about two inch army man size. Okay, got these guys, got knights. What are we doing? Well, knights like to go on quests. That's great. Knights and quests, that kind of came to me at the last second, as these things do. But then I just wrote. I wrote. I, I wrote more. And I thought, what do I need? How do I get through it when I'm reading a book? What do I want to see? Okay, here's how the game's played. We got that. Okay, do I tell? do I tell how attacking works? Do I tell how to pick what quest, what mission you go on? And I just went through it and read it and over and over and over again and just kind of hammered it out. And eventually it was done. And then I spent, gosh, days laying it out in like Google Docs, which, you know, there's layout programs for a reason. You can you can lay out anything and anything, but I think in the future I'd definitely go for one of the more professional products if it's something you were going to like get into fully, but... I made it, and then I put it up on itch, uh, itch.io there, itch.io, and it's good. I mean, I think it's all right. It's fun. I've had some people read it. I've got some feedback on it. You know, there's always things. You can always do better. You can always improve things. Things can be made clear. Um, something that makes sense to you. It's a pitfall I was aware of when you write. And there's something you take for granted, like, well, of course, you can only re-roll dice once. But if you don't say that anywhere in your book, people don't know that. Um, we are talking about font size. I went out of my way to make the font really big, and then I looked at it on my phone to make sure it looked okay on the phone when I was reading it on the PDF. And I have a single printed copy, and uh, it, you can read it. <laughs> So what was the kind of time frame then from idea to like literally uploading and publishing the thing? Um, I'd say about three weeks. Three weeks between idea the... to this game now exists and is for sale? Yes. So it was like playtesting and everything in that three-week period? Yeah, uh, as much playtesting as I could do was largely limited to myself at the time. So it was really just... I wanted to get it done, and I wanted to get it done while I still had the motivation for it. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's really kind of, you know, standing on the shoulder of giants in kind of a mental way, and then it's really a culmination of a lot of other things I'd tried to do. But, yeah, I had the idea, and it's... Once you have a goal in mind and you start writing, it's actually not nearly as bad as it seems, because you... Kind of like if you're on a long road trip, you don't think about the fact that you're going to be on the road for six hours. You think, well, it's only 20 miles to the next town. That's not too bad. Um, or, you know, even 
well, it's 20 miles to the next town, but it's only about two miles to that hill. And so I just kept myself thinking that way, and that kept me going pretty well. But, uh, yeah, I just literally put all of my free time. If I wasn't working, I was at home typing on this thing. Or I was at home, my little 3 by 3 table, moving nights around and rolling dice and making sure it made sense to me. Um, so a lot of very internal playtesting. Could have done with some more external playtesting, I'd say, honestly. But, you know... For your first for your first go, that's not too bad, I think. <laughs> what have you kind of got up to after that then? The, the game's published. Did you write other games? Did you write any like expansions or supplements, for lack of a better term, for the game? Or are you looking at a, an updated version of it or anything? Uh, so, yeah, recently it's, it's kind of funny. Time got away from me. You know, 2020 was a busy year. Things had kind of already been weird by the time I wrote the game. And then... You know, I kept thinking, hey, I did this one, I could do another one, and, well, you know, I had to do work. The job I had at the time was keeping me extra busy, and, you know, I had family stuff to take care of, and I thought, okay, well, I'll get to it. And th this is kind of the trap a lot of people get into, because you just kind of take time for granted. And then the other day I was looking, I was like, all right, well, I've only had that out for like a year or two, so I can still work on something that I look and it's like, oh, I published that in 2020. That's that's a three-year-old thing already. What happened to the time? Because I do want to update it. I've got some revised ideas. I've got some good feedback I'd like to put into. I'd like to eventually expand upon it. Maybe put wizards in there or something. You know, all this... So it's kind of built on this, uh, like, the ideal fantasy knight type thing, like King Arthur. Um, I actually use uh, some public domain artwork that Howard Pyle did for his uh, The Story of King Arthur and His Knights. It's some real, real superb work. Real good stuff. So I put some of those in there, which kind of gives the game a bit more credibility to have art. <laughs> it's not just a pamphlet. Our question of the month for May 2024 is what rules have you created or adapted to improve your favourite gaming system? This might be a homebrew rule or something you've ported over from another game. The point is you tried it, it worked well and you kept on using it. Head on over to bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail to submit your answer. That's bedroombattlefields.com forward slash voicemail. And now back to the show. How, uh, how often do you manage to get stuff on the table and have a game then? Either like a solo game or get together with folks and play that way? Um, I manage about once every week or so. Uh, sometimes it's every two weeks. Like illness has kept uh, me and my regular opponent from playing today. Um, well, not today. Yesterday we would have played. Um, that's what fun because we also play. Go ahead. What, what were you going to play? Sorry, I was just going to ask. Oh, <laughs> we were actually going to play HeroScape. Uh, he's one of the guys who I I turned up my nose when HeroScape initially came out because I was just getting into Warhammer and like Warhammer was the big boys' hobby. HeroScape with pre-painted miniatures, just like that Mage Knight game. That's kid stuff. You don't want that. I'm a kid, right? But I'm going to play the big game. And then I play HeroScape with this guy a couple years ago because he's still got all this stuff. Because like. The guys who liked HeroScape really like HeroScape. A lot of them just 
they've kept it going way long after its demise. And he's like, you really got to try this. I'm like, sure, man, I'll give it a try. I kind of missed it the first time around, and then I play it, and I'm like, wow, what a great game. It's real simple. kind of feels like Hero Quest rolling a handful of dice looking for attack or defense symbols. The figures have their own little special rules. The hex terrain, of course, is fantastic. Uh, just a great little game. It's got a really unique activation system. You get uh, four orders that you put down and activate from one to three because one of them's a decoy order. So your opponent can see who you're probably activating, but they don't know what order you're going in. Uh, it's real good, honestly. I'm kind of glad that Renegade Games bought up that uh, bought up the rights to it after the Hasbro Pulse thing failed to go off last year. So, looking forward to seeing that coming back to life. It's good to hear that you're you're playing regularly and with also you're working on like rules and stuff like that, writing maybe a bit of fluff, a bit of lore. So. What would you say your ratio, if we look at it on a week-to-week or month-to-month basis, of, of writing or painting or playing? Like, you know, what what's coming first sort of thing? And... It, it's pretty even right now, to be honest. I'll, uh, you know, you got other things demanding your time. You got family, you got work. Uh, sometimes I don't do anything related to gaming at all because there was, there was a time in my life where I would spend every bit of spare time on gaming and you know it's great when you can do that but there's some days where it's like i don't want to do anything i want to just go on the drive but yeah I, I try really hard to at least paint a mini at least the mini or two every month <laughs> which seems pretty slow but eventually that gets stuff painted if, if i've got a game coming up or trying to helps to have a goal like our local tournaments we always import and enforce a minimum painting standard so that's when i was playing those that was helping me get guys done faster um yeah whenever i have spare time like this last month is kind of a wash december is always busy you know holidays end of the year type stuff but usually if i can i try to spend about an hour or so most days doing at least a little bit of writing or a little bit of noodling <laughs> for lack of a better word, just figuring out stuff or exploring a mechanic or writing up an idea. When it comes to painting, uh, you know, are you are you just get through it, or do, do you like to spend a bit of time do the old golden demon techniques and take six months <laughs> to paint an eyeball? There was a time that I was really trying to do that. Uh, one of my good friends, one of the people I mentioned earlier who showed me a couple things, painting is a phenomenal painter. And for him, he's not, he's never in a hurry to paint anything. He just takes his time. He, he's got a job. He runs a hobby shop nowadays anyway. Um, but, you know, and he was always telling me, he's like, you know, you can be bet, you can be as good as you want to be. You know, just you literally put in the, again, you put in the time for it. And I came to this kind of realization a couple years ago where it's like you know I, I know I can do that I know I can do all that amazing stuff but I really don't want to I'm kind of happy with table standard like I feel my table standards pretty refined so yeah I'll just sit down and figure out what I'm painting for what reason sometimes it's just painting a model because you like it but usually it's because I'm going to use it for something like the uh, knights I mentioned um and yeah, you know, you get them primed, 
you don't have to prime. You can actually just like slap on some black paint like they used to recommend in the older Warhammer books. The priming's, you know, better and every now and then it'll be kind of unseasonably warm out here and I can get away with it in the middle of winter uh, doing some spray primer. But then it's just, you know, I, I work I work one color at a time usually. I'll get my base color on and then I'll do the next layer up and then maybe a little bit of highlights. Sometimes some washes if I think it needs it. You know, washes tend to muddy everything up, but they also can really look good depending on the type of texture you're working on. And then I go to the next color. So it's like, all right, I'll do all the blue parts of the tunics, then all the whites, then I'll do their tights, then I'll do their boots, then I'll do... I like to do metals last usually because I got to change out my water to keep the metal flakes from getting in my... If you're not careful, you can contaminate your whole bunch of pots if you're like getting a little bit of metal flakes from your water to the pot to the other pot. Um, and then I just truck on through that way and it works pretty well. <laughs> what paints do you use? Oh, all of them. <laughs> I, I've got a ton of Citadel paints, of course, because they're kind of like what I learned with growing up. Um, and honestly, the Citadel paint system's really good. Like, hey, we've got all these pre-mixed shades for you. And especially lately, you know, our base paints are thicker than the, like, layer and highlight paints. They're good for doing base colors. And the contrast paints, I think, are really neat. I've painted some minis entirely with contrast. And while I'm not sure that's the best use for them, they're basically like a superwash. Or they're really good for putting down some bright colors over white type of deal. I've got army painter stuff. I've got some Reaper paints that I bought, gosh, years and years ago. Um, I used to have some of the privateer press paints because those were actually pretty thick, uh, really heavily pigmented. Like the Formula P3. I don't know if those are even still around. Uh, but yeah, I've got some some cheap craft paints. I don't really use those for miniatures because they usually. You know, they can work, but they're kind of low on the pigment. I kind of use those more for terrain, where I'm just trying to get coverage and I'm not as concerned about making it look phenomenal, where the, the, the whole will be better than any of the individual parts. As we uh, get to the end of the episode then, Jamie, what, uh, like as we mentioned at the start, it's obviously it's the start of 2024. Do you have any sort of aims or ambitions for for this year hobby wise oh yeah um i definitely have been inspired i want to get i'm not sure if i want to call it a revision or an update or whatever but i definitely want to relook at of knights and quests again i've given it a read through i've had some new eyes look at it again i've got some more good feedback just in the last couple weeks which has been pretty nice and helpful there's a few mechanics i want to put in like uh I want to differentiate the kind of nights you can have a little bit. Just kind of clean it up because it's it's my very it's my first product and it very very much shows. <laughs> but I don't think that's a problem. I think it's important for posterity. But honestly, um, I'm gonna to try to do what I was gonna do last week or last year. And because I had this thought, it's like you know if you could paint a single miniature a week, if you could just get one guy fully done, not even worry about batch painting. That's 52 miniatures. That's that's a whole army for a lot of games by the end of the year. 
and that's assuming just the bare minimum one miniature a week. And, you know, you can take 20 minutes, put on a base coat, and then Tuesday, you know, you take another 20 minutes, do a couple highlights here and there, do a couple details. Maybe Thursday you're lucky, you get an hour, and then your minis would actually all be painted up to a much higher standard, and, you know, they get progressively better. I find as you do stuff, you get you figure out the shortcuts, figure out the way it works, but... That, that's pretty much where I'm at. There's not a whole lot more that I want to buy for the hobby, which is fun, funny to say. There's always something that catches your eye. Like for a while there, I was buying uh, map packs for Battletech like crazy, because I think that's fun. Um, that's another one on the side. But So you're going to try the one miniature a week thing then? Yeah. hypothetical? No, that's absolutely what I want to do. I know I've only got a couple days left in this week, but I've got a couple early shifts that I'm working, which gives me some free time at night after work. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that. It's, uh, it's definitely attainable. It's doable. It's the, pretty much the smallest amount of effort while still putting forth constant effort. And that's what I found for me is as long as you're constantly doing a little bit of something, that helps. Any kind of momentum is good, even if it's just the little tiniest bit. Where can the listener uh, check out of Knights and Quests? And where can we find it? I'll obviously put links in the show notes, but just in case you've got a a URL handy as well. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's real simple actually. It's just uh, Kazdok, which is my online name. That's K A Z D O K dot itch dot I O. And it's the only thing in my catalog right now. <laughs> so you don't have to look very far to find it. <laughs> cool. And I'll obviously, like I say, I'll stick a note in the show notes too. Uh, a wee link, mm. sorry, in the show notes too. So the listener could check that out if they wish. And why not? Uh, 52 miniatures a week as well. I look forward to following your progress in Discord. Now that you're totally committed to that. You've you've said yeah, it on the podcast. I've... So it's set in stone. Yeah. I've said it in front of people three people at least a yeah. number of people <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know don't sell it short there could be tens of people i don't know could be could be tens <laughs> of people yeah show's getting huge so <laughs> it um, is. oh it's been great to chat with you jamie um oh, yeah. and i thanks very much for your your insights now it's been it's been nice to learn about your journey and, and your games as well so i look forward to seeing what uh, this year brings for you yeah, me too. Thanks for having me on. This has been a real fun show to listen to, and the opportunity to be on here and just talk <laughs> has been pretty cool. I appreciate it. Thanks very much for listening to this episode of the Tabletop Miniature Hobby Podcast. If you enjoy the show, then please do share it with someone else you think might enjoy it too. And be sure to check out our Discord community of like-minded hobbyists, which you could find at bedroombattlefields.com forward slash discord. It'd be great to see you in there.